0: Welcome back to the Tall Boy Radio podcast, and as we always say, who knows where it goes when the beer flows? Well, I'll tell you where it goes. It goes to 200 shows. That's where it goes. So, without further ado, as we celebrate the 200th, the 200th episode of the Tall Boy Radio podcast, let us say hello to our hosts, Gazza.
1: Yeah, even in all even in the world, 200 episode. Who'd have thunked it? Back in the day when we we were bumbling through the first <laughs> few, and we probably will bumble through the next few as well. Um, and there was only one T-shirt I could wear for the 200th episode, and it's the "What the Fudge" T-shirt. And for those of you that don't know the reference to that, go back into the annals of Torboy Radio, and you will understand why. Really looking forward to this. Can't wait to see where it goes. And as Adam said who knows when the beer, where we go when the beer flows, and something about shows and 200. He was a poet, he just doesn't know it. I do, I do, or I don't. Who knows, who knows,
0: who
2: knows. I'll tell you who knows, David. Uh, what do I know? Sorry? Your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hi, folks. It's um, it's really good, actually, to be on episode 200. It's quite a remarkable achievement, really. That's that's a lot of episodes. And you know, When you got to 100, we thought, crikey. Uh, and now two hundred is just, just, it's just really awesome. Really, no stopping it. Really, It'd be three hundred before you know it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think if you were to watch each episode uh, and or listen to it back, you're talking two hundred hours worth of stuff, which is ridiculous to think that we have put all that out there. But before we move on and we talk about what we're going to be talking about tonight, and we'll get to that in a second. We've had a lovely, lovely message from a super fan. So the Wheelstone Raider. Has been in contact and he wanted to share a very special message with us given that it is our 200th episode.
1: 100 episodes of the Tall Boy Radio podcast. So fucking what? You've got no fans? Do you want to deal with the Wolfstone Raider? Beans, Daz, Dave, and Andy, do you want some? Because I'll fucking give it ya. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Charming fella <laughs> What
0: a lovely fella What a lovely fella What a lovely message to send to us don't you think
1: That's absolutely genius Can I just put on record my thanks to the Wheelston Raider, I'm a big fan of yours As well, I appreciate that you're listening Most weeks, I'm glad to know that you're A fan of ours, I can't wait To see what you've got to do next
0: Indeed, indeed, see who will be Throwing his threats at next Who knows, who knows, who knows so, down to the real business, then, of the episode. Even though it was 200, you know, we could have said here and talk about Tallboy Radio. We don't want to do that. We've got that planned for a couple of weeks' time. So, what we wanted to do, we've, we've themed it around the number 200. So, we're going to be looking at what life is going to be like 200 years from now. So, let's just chuck it out there. Let's just chuck it out there. What do we think? So, so you you said it here first. We're not going to be around, are we, in all probability? But with the, the movements in health and the way that we sort of are living our lives and recognizing a healthy lifestyle. Good evening, Stuart Willis. Feel free to chime in as as, as we talk about this because it does relate to health. Is it feasible that someone born in 2023 could be alive in
1: 2223? No. You don't think so? Now, I I don't think they would be alive in the sense that we come to understand alive. I think potentially the advancement in cryogenics, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, might mean that potentially they have been frozen and then defrosted. If that's even the <laughs> right phrase, <laughs> don't even know what it's called. Cryogenically reborn. I don't yeah, know what that That sounded better than defrosted. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, in the microwave for two and a half minutes. <laughs> Bing. So, yeah, I, 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 no, I don't think that the, the lifespan will be 200, but I do think with – you only have to look at, in the last 200 years, the advancement of technology and everything else. I it, I don't think it takes a genius to work out that potentially cryogenics is something that's happening. So, therefore, yes, could somebody born now be alive then? I'll say no. Could somebody born in 50 years' time then be alive 200 years after they were born? Maybe. Because so I think, I think we're, just, we're not quite there yet, but we might.
0: Indeed, indeed. And Stuart says, I'm sure Walt Disney wanted to be frozen. Well, I hope so, because they did freeze him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a fucker if he didn't. It did, yeah, a... Here, come and stand in this fridge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think they just uh, misunderstood his last request and made a couple of films with a lot of singing instead. <laughs> oh yeah frozen very good, very let, good. It go, very good. Let, let it go dave go. Oh, right.
0: lovely stuff, lovely stuff. <laughs> uh, what, are you, I, what are your
2: thoughts dave I, I disagree with Gaz. actually i i think that that we us three could be alive in 200 years i think the um what would block it or what would prevent it would be ethics more than science the the, the rate that science is progressing, the rate that we can pretty much regrow most organs. You know, I saw it in the news the other week, there was an, an eye transplant, yeah. stem cells, eye transplants, the, the vision may or may not come back. It's too early to tell, but it may. I mean, that's, I mean, that's quite literally getting close to the brain in both senses in terms of the complexities and, and the proximity. I think it's just a matter of time. They've just got to figure out how to regrow the brain cells and keep that working. And they're they're making massive strides again, relatively recently, the announcements about Alzheimer's and the way that they think they can slow that down and potentially in the next 10 years be reversing that process. It's not a million miles away. Once you can get the brain regenerating, the rest of the body's really easy. And then it's just ethics. How long do we let people live for?
1: No, I I, I agree. You know, I I agree. And I, I might have been... I don't know, either out, you know, 10, 20 years out when I said that potentially somebody in 50 years' time could be. I, I just don't think we're at the stage. I think there's there's still a significant length to go in terms of regenerating or, or, or keeping a whole living human being organism alive than just an organ at a time. Hmm. So has there been research done in somebody having eye transplant, liver transplant, um, whatever it may be, all on the same... But so the same person has all of those things done. I think that there's lots of evidence of lots of those things happening to individual people. But until you can wrap that all up in one person, I think I think we're still a long way away from that. Maybe 200 years <sighs> away. Maybe I don't think we are 200 <laughs> years away though. I, I I like Dave. I think the advancements that they're, they're scarily close, and you know there'll be breakthroughs all the time, sort of thing. And I know that lots of people will have had. You know, double amputees will have had will have had limbs sort of reattached, and 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 this, that, and the other, and, and I just, I, I don't, as Dave said, and I agree with him, it, I, I don't think it's, it's a significantly long time away. I just don't think necessarily that it, it would be in our lifetime. In mean, we're fifty now, so another, I hope to live another forty, fifty years till ninety or hundred. I I, I'm just not sure it comes that quick.
0: No. No, you might be right. You might be right, like Dave. So the ocular transplant there with the eye—that was probably ten years ago—was unthinkable. And I think that's that's what we need to consider. That science tends to advance exponentially. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not just a, a straight line; it tends to be a curve upwards. Yeah. You know, when you look at the like, and this—I read something the other day about. You know, I know you're not wholly convinced that man did land on the moon, but let's just assume for a second that they did, okay? The, the first flight took place in 1903. 66 years later, they're taking a man and putting him yeah. on the moon. They're flying out of our own atmosphere and yeah. flying into another celestial body. So, as long as you believe all that, yeah. then that is a, 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 incredible.
1: And 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 if you take that logic in terms of you you think that that they actually did land on the moon, there's more technology in the mobile phone that people carry around now than actually sent man to the moon. Yeah. You know, so so you look at the advancement of and you only have to look in the last what five years. You know the advancement in AI and all of that, and it's scary how how fast technology is is advancing. And Dave might be right, and and in a way, I hope he I hope he is right. But I, I'm just not sure we're we're quite there yet.
0: No. Yeah. So let's just say you guys managed to extend your organs. Sorry, pardon me, extend the life of your organs. And what you know, you managed to drag it all. He must have it out for 200 years what 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 are you going to be seeing what are you going to be actually what is the
1: world that we live in what is it going to look like very wet i think the seas i think the seas <laughs> i'm not sure you'll see much land if i'm honest i think the seas and the sea look it's one of those things and you look at some of the sort of futuristic films and is society going to go underground and Potentially, is the atmosphere going to be sustainable because of all the damage that we're doing and, and all of this sort of thing. And, and, and you know, some people scaremongering, I, I, you know, do I think the human race is still going to be alive in 200 years time? Yeah, I do. Will they necessarily live on the surface? Possibly. Will some areas of the world be uninhabitable? Yeah. Just on that one, let's just, let's just go back to the ice
0: caps melting. So, in terms of the ice caps, a good portion of that is already underwater. So in terms of what actually gets affected by it melting, it's actually nowhere near as severe as actually suggested. About 90% of it is already underwater anyway. So it's going to melt, stay underwater, and stay at that level. And the other 10%, because of its density levels, actually means it is less dense. So it will actually not get any higher.
1: No, I, I get that, but the, the, there are large portions of the world currently now that, I mean so you don't have to look at like the netherlands for example you know the majority of the netherlands is currently below sea level mm. so you know sea sea levels only have to rise a a small fraction in order to create huge damage per se in 200 years time don't know i i, I just think i just think there'll be large parts of the world that potentially would be uninhabitable mm. what are
2: your thoughts dave I think the, you've got to get past the the big question of will we end up destroying ourselves. I mean, Gaz said that things will still be around, but you know, and there's a U.S. election next year which could uh, move that doomsday clocker a <laughs> bit closer to midnight. You know, the, the, there's a pretty good chance that we will destroy ourselves yeah. to such an extent that uh, it could be largely irrecoverable. If we assume that we're not going to do that. Um, and we assume that we're not going to run out of food and natural resources to sustain a a sort of growing population, or we do end up colonizing, whether it be the moon or or Mars, if we assume that we do survive all of that and we get through the next 50, 60 years, then I think it's just going to be so different. It just—it's—it's it's almost unimaginable because you think of all the sci-fi that you watch, and I—I uh, was just thinking about Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, which we watched as kids. And yeah, that was the far future. That was like twenty-five years in the future, and it was unimaginable. But that's all now old tech. So if you think of what we're seeing now in terms of sci-fi, and you think of you know everything apart from probably light-speed travel and teleporting, almost everything else. That you see is probably feasible, and if yeah. you get to the point where your food is being manufactured almost out of thin air, in, in the sense that the resources and the way it's been been grown, and you're sustained with water and food, there's you know nobody's going to need to work because the computers and robots will do everything. Hopefully, if you don't have poverty and those kind of discrepancies in life, it will cut out an awful lot of war. And fights and troubles, and hopefully, people will live along. And it may be those kind of utopia societies that you see in the movies. It, there's every chance we could get that if we can just survive the next 20, 30 years.
1: So, so do you think that, that so, and literally, you said there, you know, the, the utopian view of the world where people live in harmony because people don't need to work, and therefore, th- th- there's not that scarcity of wealth, and there's not all the economic factors that drive people to make the decisions that they make in terms of trying to sort of gain access to natural resources or whatever it may be. If everybody lives in this harmony and this, you is that something you genuinely think is going to happen? Or do you think that the, the natural resources of the world are going to still be, I mean, obviously it's not, it's not infinite. So they are finite. So do you think in two hundred years time there still will be a finite level of natural resources that people are therefore then going to clash over Either trying to own or gain or earn or whatever it may be,
2: it's it's high risk if population doesn't control itself, but through natural you know natural sort of leveling off, or we go and colonize elsewhere. Because whilst there's a finite uh, amount of resources, it is a bit like a biosphere, isn't it? In that Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, if you take one of those bottle gardens and it's established, you water it and put an airtight cork in. As long as it gets light it will just continue to grow and decay and the water's got nowhere to go. So it continues to water and grow and it just, it will just live. I mean, I'd say indefinitely, there probably is a lifespan, like most organic things, but it will live for an awful long time with what's there. And essentially resources are just being stored more and more in human bodies and animals. So you're taking the resources out of the ground, you're storing them in bipeds that walk around. So, if that gets to a point where there's too many of them, so the resources aren't in the ground and the moisture isn't in the air and the environment, and you can't water and grow things, then you may have famine that's more widespread, particularly if if global warming does carry on and and you know there is less land to grow things, then it could yeah. become an issue but that that comes back to the earlier point about can we survive the next 20 to 30 years because that's all. do you think do you think it's that
1: do you think it is do you think the immediacy of that is the key so do you think it is the next 20 to 30 years as opposed to the next 50 or 60 years do you think that the awareness that we currently have in terms of the the environment the ozone layer and all of that global warming and, and all the do you feel as though the, the damage that we're doing will get there will be a tipping point where it becomes irrevocably damaged where we can't turn it around and how close do you think that is
2: i i do think 20 to 30 years is that window uh, of uh, irrevocably retrievable it's probably too strong but there'll be a tipping point where it the odds are against it because yeah you know once you get scarcity i mean you look at the world now and you look at the the difference and and the, and the fighting and the wars and the friction that of course for a whole bunch of reasons but a lot of it is is to do with resources you just look at the oh yeah the war going on at the moment in in the West Bank you know that's all about land I mean it's religion and and everything else but it's essentially about some people that that want somewhere to live and you know I know it's, it's, it's not that simple but that is a factor in there and you extrapolate that out to all the countries that every year have famine now in 2023 there's famine and and babies and, and people just die because they don't have clean water and food that's that's now um, yeah, yeah. that that's although it's way way better that could turn around if the if the if the globe keeps heating up and you have the wrong leaders in charge of the biggest countries in the world
0: yeah well if you were to say look at the the population then so we know how big it's 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 grown recently and 10 to 12 billion is what it's forecast to be in 150 years from now if we continues growing as, as we are growing. thank you to my brother there chiming in his <laughs> opinion on uh on climate change yeah uh, blue bloody climate alarm is soon as you will realize that you've all been lied to again don't get me wrong there's a part of me that really does believe that you know what i mean i i, I do get very suspicious that you know we were told that all the petrol will be gone in the 70s and it never went away that the ice caps would melt in the 80s and that never went away and
1: and again you, you, you go back to that if you don't trust the people that are giving you the information how do you trust the information that they're giving you
0: exact no so yeah yeah but so but but the population itself you know if we're saying that's going to grow by two so let's say for example 12 billion you know uh, uh, is, is an underestimate if we, it we were to continue now in 200 years from now that is half the amount of people on this earth Again, again in yeah. 200 years. That is an alarming amount, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I, and we've already, you know, the, the, the forecasts have already been done, and the, the resources that we currently have available to us, unless we find new technologies in order to either recycle them or create new energy and food and everything else, there isn't enough. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I went back to with Dave when I said, it's obviously finite and you know, do we think it'll be this utopian world where actually everybody is sort of living in happy harmony and we found these new technologies or will it be a war driven, poverty driven world where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer because the rich own the resources and there isn't enough resources to go around and therefore the rich just get richer, you know, and it really is that and I'm unsure. Mm. I, I do think, I I do think in the next 20 years, 30 years, we will have, I think we'll have a colony on the moon. And I'm not saying that the moon is full of massively rich resources, natural resources, because it isn't. However, I do think that we will at some point leave Earth to explore new homes. I mean, to me, that's just a natural progression in what we do. The, the, The human race was never meant just to stay on this planet because the planet isn't sustainable so therefore in order for the human race to continue we have to look elsewhere and i think with the advancement in technology i think that will come
0: so you talk about like the sustainability of the planet but what we're really talking about is the sustainability of human life on the planet the planet was here for many many millions of years before we got here Mm -hmm. it will be here for many many millions of years after we've manage to wipe ourselves out or transport ourselves off to another planet whichever way but like you say this you know the the, the part of you that, that, that talks about the scarcity of resources there's already sort of 50 percent of the population of the earth dealing with that on a day-to-day yeah. basis now they' they're living that Armageddon that we fear but unfortunately that
1: that's only going to perpetuate itself in terms of yes the percentages are currently living that way but as i've just said the rich will get richer and the poor will get poorer so that will just be exacerbated over the next 10 15 20 years time yeah and and, and more people will fall into that poverty trap if that's what you want to say really? and therefore it then you know it then exponentially starts to grow and as i said you you'll end up with and and you only have to look at some of the sci-fi films you look at these mega industries and and all, and, and and all of a sudden that they they employ tens of thousands of people and if you're not employed by those two or three mega corporations then tough shit and you know you're on your jack jones and you're scrabbling around on your hands and knees trying to find some food and water type thing you know and you only have to look at some sci-fi films to think that that's going to happen and is it sci-fi or is it is it a glimpse into what potentially we, we have got in store for us
0: who knows who knows and like dave said you're looking really maybe 20 to 30 years in the future you know, maybe that is the, the, the fulcrum release system as to where the tipping point comes. That's where it comes and where it goes and everything goes absolutely pear-shaped. And he's talking about a utopian society where maybe, just maybe, we have what we need and everybody's cared for. But why aren't we... You, let's, you know, I'm not going to point the finger of blame at the likes of Jeff Bezos, Dave, or the likes of Elon Musk. But these folks, rather than... Rather than looking at, at uh, wangling their dicks around and saying, "Look, who's got the biggest space rocket? Look, who can fly at the best?" Why don't they look at making life a little on Earth more sustainable for the folk who who probably need their help the most?
2: Well, I, I guess they they both believe in in pushing the boundaries in terms of technology and what the human race can achieve and where we can get to, and if you. If you shut that off, if you had no NASA, no Jeff Bezos, no Elon Musk, no Richard Branson to a lesser extent, if you had none of those people or organisations pushing the boundaries to get onto the moon and to get to Mars and to get the satellites out there, if you just stopped all that and said, well, let's just look after the planet Earth, you know, that that's true that that may be a much better option in the short term, but even... You know, 100 billion pounds, 200 billion pounds. It doesn't go far if you spread that across six and a half billion people. You could say, look at that. You spent 200 billion pounds to send a rocket to the moon. Well, okay. Well, let's give everybody, you know, 15 quid. Well, there we go. That's 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 solved the world's problems. Well, it just doesn't. It doesn't even make a tiny, tiny dent to anything at all. It's totally insignificant. But the upsides of what he is doing, that we can then perhaps go and live in some kind of greenhouse type self-contained structures on the moon, which then becomes a launch pad for sending rockets to Mars, where actually there may end up being an atmosphere, or we could in two or 300 years, let's say 200 years time, start to actually you know, create an environment because we're growing plants indoors, which we can then release the oxygen and whatever into the atmosphere and start to build an atmosphere. That won't happen if the people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and NASA and the other governments of the world that do spend on space travel do what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was sort of going to raise a very similar point, to you Dave. So I sort of agree with you there, which is sort of strangely gratifying on our podcast. But yeah, no, I I agree, and I think the re, I think the reasons that you just said there, Dave, I think what they are doing is they're potentially while some people would be looking at them, perhaps misappropriating them or misapportioning their money. I think what they're doing is I think they're looking, they're future proofing and thinking, well, actually, what can we do to secure w- our legacy? Because ultimately, that's what people want to do. And and I think you're right, Dave. I think that the moon will be a satellite. I know it's not a planet, but it, it's a, it will be a launch pad for explorations elsewhere. I do think we'll con- we will colonize Mars. You know, I, I do think then you know, you only have to look at things like the Hubble telescope that's, that, that's looking at, at, at various things across the, the planet now. And they're still talking about even with the Hubble telescope. You know, you're only talking about actually we, we've we've explored like a tiny percentage of what the universe has to offer. So you look at Hubble and you look at all the galaxies that Hubble can telescope. You think that's actually still only a tiny proportion. So where will we be in 200 years time? Christ knows. No. And I think...
0: This this is this is the bizarre thing when he actually started, I don't know. I'm not sure my our minds are capable of of necessarily analysing this. But when he, I, I was listening to Brian Cox talk, and he was. I'd sort love of, to go
1: and listen to him. I'd love to listen to him. Because he'd be brilliant. We we, 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 but we but should them. we should have gone, shouldn't we? I don't think I, I didn't. But we've bought them. No, nah, but we're, oh, we're yeah, looking.
0: Yeah. Day, I know Dave's got his book. We'll we'll look again. we'll look at getting that sorted. Probably sold out now. But yeah, I was I was, I was listening to him talk, and. <laughs> And he was sort of saying that if you're, I think it was something like if you are over five million light years away, if you the light is as it's arriving, what they're seeing is dinosaurs. They're not seeing us; they're yeah. seeing dinosaurs, which yeah. is utterly, utterly mind blowing, isn't it? When you think about it.
1: Yeah, and you and, and you look up to the you look up to the night sky, and the star that you see actually exploded 100 years ago or whatever and yeah, right. and actually the the time it's taken for that light to travel to us and therefore us yeah. to see it not exist is and it, it's mind-bogglingly just
0: it, it is huge it is uh,
1: what one quick
0: quick comment from Stuart, who says that bill gates is the only one that has looked at medical science by looking at certain vaccinations i think we'll move on from that one we all know my opinion on that and and mike says happy 200 guys cheers mike thank you very much
1: mike you're a top man appreciate it
0: lord knows how we've got here but we've dragged ourselves here nonetheless kicking and screaming kicking and screaming and by god we'll get someone to listen to us one day so (laughs) one of the things one of the big concerns one of the big concerns that has become Probably, I'd say maybe five years ago, nobody was really talking about it. 200 years from now, it's going to be a reality. And who knows, it might be iron systems becoming self-aware. AI. AI. So what, yeah, when you see the the artwork for this podcast, and I use the word artwork very, very loosely, it is generated by AI. It has never, ever existed. And I still think it's mind-blowing just on that level. That's just me arsing around with my phone. Where's AI going to be
2: 200 years from now? It's going to be, well, it, it's going to be everywhere doing everything totally because, mm. you know, you don't you don't need people. You don't need people to do so much stuff since AI has been made public like six months ago or whenever it was. It's already doing tons of stuff that people do, making people's jobs easier and more efficient. And the, the, the next evolution of that will just take out people's jobs in a lot of cases. Yeah. And, you know, I was having this conversation with some people recently, and it's like we look at our kids now, uh, and even more so your kids, Adam, and it's like, well, what jobs are they going to do in the future? I mean, unless yes. unless you're going to do something that's, you know, that even now, unless you're doing something with your hands, you know, physically doing something, I know you could talk about getting robots, but that's that's an, a magnitude of expense which may take it out. But AI in terms of software, you think of what that does, whether it be teaching whether it be doing your role, Adam, you know, large parts of my role, AI could do that quite easily. Um, you know, so I think that's just, you know, that's in five years time, that's going to be, you know, wow. Out of this world.
0: Let me tell you this, David, let me tell you this. I don't care how good AI is. It cannot eat as many biscuits as I can on my break. Wow. You
1: know, there was a, uh, a presentation a, a, a number of years ago and and in in education and, and it will have seeped into various other things there was a, there was something called a shift to happens and it talked about the the expansion of technology and they said and, co- and, and go back to was it 2001 or 2010 or whatever it was and they said you know the, the top 10 in demand jobs in 2010 didn't even exist in 2001 so basically what we did we're trying to prepare kids to live in a world and gain a job where that job actually doesn't even exist yet. So how do you do that? And 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 that was twenty years ago. That so you, you look now and you think shit. You know you think we're trying to prepare the next generation for a society in an environment that actually we've got no fudging clue what it's going to look like. And and you know you, you go back you go back thirty years. And you think right. If you go back thirty years and you think right. In ten years' time, twenty years' time, we sort of will be similar. But as you said, the advancement of technology and therefore AI is exponential. So it's not it's not on a linear curve. It's you know what might happen in five years' time. You know, if you were to throw the clock back, that might take fifty years. You know, it, the the rate of advancement is so vast that we're trying to prep kids and trying to prep, you know people for for jobs that they're just not there. And as Dave said, you know, who knows? There might be a, I don't know, I'm making it up. There, there might be an AI kryptonite and, and, and AI has got to such a point where we don't want it to, to carry on. So therefore there's something that we can do to that. And therefore that might be job. There might be, I don't know, an AI related job. There might there, There's so many jobs that are going to be out there that we can't even, who'd have thought 10 years ago, a job, genuine job now, youtube influencer yeah. social media influencer you go back 10 years and someone say oh what, what do you do for your job oh, i'm a social i'm a social influencer <laughs> you fucking what? what what are you doing <laughs> you do what you just post stupid videos and people follow what you do yeah. and now it's a bonafide a job what, what what what's your job oh i'm a i'm a, I'm a uh a reality tv star <laughs> what yeah just go from reality tv to reality tv to reality tv earning money and It's a genuine career opportunity, it's a genuine career path. And and as much as we despise that because we're of a certain generation that don't see that, it's a genuine thing. Mm-hmm. So jobs that traditional jobs that we've said, plumbers, carpenters, architects, you know, all of them would be done by potentially, as Dave said, AI in what 15, 20 years' time. You rock up and AI sorts various and so jobs don't the jobs that will exist in 15, 20 years time we just have no clue what they are
0: now. Yeah, that's that's quite scary. And I know I know Dave. You know I sort of flip it in my response in terms of what I do for a living. And I won't go into too much, but my job would be completely superfluous because the jobs. You know, I, I I work in auditing. You know, so in terms of those jobs would have been replaced by AI anyway. So there'd be absolutely no need for me yeah. because the jobs that you know the people I audit because let's face it errors are made, I don't mean by the systems, it's made by people, I'd be completely superfluous. You yeah. know, I would
1: be, I would be subject I, to requirements. I think anything that, and I'm going to make a huge statement, anything that's data-driven or numbers-driven, you you just punch your own ticket because in, in how 10, 15, 20 years, you know, AI or robotics or whatever would do that. So anything that's data driven that, that you need to analyze algorithms or, or data see you later but also also think of,
2: of teachers guys you know teachers yeah. is when you're standing in front of 30 kids as a teacher you're you know you've got to have your subject knowledge you've got to have the way you deliver it and you've got to get that delivery that is as best as possible differentiated Amongst yeah. thirty kids who have all got different different abilities and different ways of learning. Now you imagine with AI, and you get every kid in that class to put on some, uh, you know, Google glasses or whatever they're called. Yeah, and they all look at the front and they all see a slightly different teacher with a slightly different chalkboard or whiteboard, and they're yeah. getting the lesson delivered to them directly, and the teacher's looking at them, and they're talking in a way that they know that that kid. Can understand and can follow because that AI has worked with that child, you know, over and over and over again. So their delivery, their explanations, and they've got all of the knowledge. And then you build into that the fact that they're able to get emotion, emotional responses into their tonage the tonality of their voice, and the expressions on their face. And all of a sudden, you've maximized one-to-one teaching
1: for thirty kids with AI. A hundred percent, I agree with that. But I, I, and and you look at you, you would and, and it's slightly different but you look at augmented reality so you put AI and augmented reality together and what you can then do is you can then put each of those individual kids with their AI tutor into an envi- an augmented environment that that they feel comfortable in so mm-hmm. you would have somebody that's sitting on a on a beach somewhere listening to soft music crashing over the the, the, the beach whenever you look at somebody else it's in a forest and all of a sudden you 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 combine the two, and Dave's absolutely right. You don't need a teacher anymore. All you need, effectively, is well, you don't need a classroom. You, you, you just, you just, you you don't need anybody. You Don't you? You know, for AI, you don't even need a programmer to write the algorithm because it's just, it's just AI. It, it just does it. Well,
2: you have to do. So, it. You do have. You do have to train the AI. AI, and you do have to train it in A that the source data, and B what you want it to do. I mean, there yeah, is but, AI, but what, AI you can use to help you to do that. So it does become a bit circular. But, yeah, you still yeah, have but to what,
1: But what you wouldn't need is you wouldn't need, for example, 30 programmers to program the AI to deliver 30. You would just need one. So, mm-hmm. effectively, all of the teachers in all of the schools would become redundant because you've just got one guy that's, pro, that, that's developed the AI in order to facilitate that. So, yeah, probably keep, I agree with you, Dave. And it's quite frightening, you know.
2: You'd probably keep two of them on just... Purely safeguarding
1: yeah 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 no absolutely but you know you, you, you exp- and, and and again you know you look at anybody anybody in the world of finance the world of banking you need all the people that are on the stock exchange and the dow jones and all of that you know they're got they are literally gone because all they're doing now is they're reporting on Effectively, algorithms that computer simulations are running anyway, and they're doing that now. And all they're doing is they're just communicating whether you want to buy or sell. Effectively, and you're just you're just looking at trading. You're looking at markets. Well, sorry, and I would suggest in twenty years they're gone. I wouldn't even say it's two hundred. I wouldn't even say you know it's not fifty. I think it's twenty years. All of them jobs are gone, just because computers and computers can computate and run so many calculations per second that actually it just it supersedes what the human mind could do in that. So therefore, the computer takes all the information, analyzes it, extrapolates the bits that it needs, and then makes a real-time decision.
2: Like, ah, but there is the a human flaw. brain can't do that. There's a flaw, though, Gaz, in that, if you followed that through into where you were going with that. you, you know, I'll, I'll use an, an analogy that you'll be familiar with, poker. If you've got five people playing poker at a, at a poker table... Five humans playing poker. Okay, you're going to get different outcomes. There's going to be skill level, uh, just the, the skill of knowledge of the actual game, and then the emotion, the bluffing, and all of that kind of stuff. You put five AIs there and play that game of poker. What's going to happen?
1: Well, theoretically,
2: <laughs>
1: you you would get different outcomes. I would suggest,
2: but if they're all if they're all equal AIs, all going for the best outcome, then. Then imagine if you applied that to the stock market, which is what you were just saying. They're all yeah, but deciding which but, trade made. But they're all all the trades are being made by AI, making the same decisions off the same data at the same time.
1: Yeah, no, I I get that. But again, what what you would get is you you would get, you know, when when you talk about AI and it's it's not artificial data; it's artificial intelligence. So you would get some of that intelligence effectively taking a punt. And I know that sounds really. Like I don't know, I don't know what the word is, but you would get artificial intelligence taking a punt and that not a gamble as such, but it would be a an element of risk. And what you would get is you would get certain AI models that would have high risk, you'd have medium risk, you'd have low risk, and, and depending on what, what what it is that you wanted, you would get certain AI that would make those decisions for you. They just make it much quicker than humans do. Because ultimately, now you know you look, you put your money in stocks so or shares, you would have a high risk, you'd have medium risk, you have a low risk. So your low risk is, is high investment, low return. Your, your high risk is the opposite of that. You, actually, you only have to invest a low amount, but actually returns potentially much more. But the risk is much more, as well, so you might lose it. Um, all that would happen is that the AI would do that with just much, much, much quicker.
0: Well, Stuart, Stuart says AI always sort of reminds me of the film Minority Report, which is a very good film, where software can predict the next crime that is going to happen. What will crime look like two hundred years from now? Will we have solved that conundrum, or will it have moved on exponentially like everything else is doing and beyond be beyond
2: control? It's it's gonna uh, in two hundred years' time. I can't imagine there being any crime left because as a, you know, if we get past the hurdle of destroying ourselves, I think in two hundred years we're going to be at utopia. And it's that that the human nature now is to be greedy and to be unkind that's a kind of default and you have to grow up to not be those things in 200 years time the being significant greed won't matter because if 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 we survive that long everyone's got everything they need so greed won't really be an issue and if somebody really wants to have a bigger shinier whatever it won't matter because i've got the shiny thing that i want so you won't have greed. And if you haven't got greed and envy and jealousy, then the chances of having, and poverty, the chances of having crime is vastly reduced. Um,
1: so I, I just don't think crime will be a thing. Do, do you not think, and, and I don't know, are you saying that then, and and it, I suppose it's a hypothetical question, obviously it's 200 years time, we don't know. Will there be currency? so will because if there's no currency if everybody has everything that they need will we still have a a currency system where certain things are worth a certain value because i think if in my humble opinion if you have a currency system you will always get crime because people will want more because they can then afford more which means they can buy more and if people can buy more or better or bigger or stronger or shinier you would always end up crying,
2: yeah. yeah. I don't think Sorry, Go, ahead. go on.
0: Well, my, my kind of thought is you know, if we achieve a utopian state, then yeah, I think you're 100% right. However, I don't, I'm not convinced that's the way we're headed. I think it's more dystopian than utopian. You think we're
1: going like that as opposed yeah, like really,
0: yeah, I really, I really, really do. But I totally agree with everything that you're saying as well. Stuff has a value. And people have things that you don't have. And I don't see that getting any better. I actually think the divide is actually going to get wider. And there are going to be plenty of people who do have shiny things and, and plenty of people who have never seen a shiny thing in their life, other than when they're digging it out of the ground for, for, for us to make use of it. Then, yeah, I, I do think that, that there is a danger there. With You know, while there is that divide, the that, that crime will be a thing and a big thing. I, that? I, I
1: think, that, you know, there's various sci-fi and we keep going back to sci-fi but the, there's various films where you look at the haves and the have-nots and you look at the people in the shiny suits in the shiny industry and the megacorps and all of that and yet you have the the people that are underground that are scrabbling for and, and there might not be a, a currency system underground and there might not be a currency system in the big shiny buildings and all of that and you've got two different societies almost but you would always have the haves and the have-nots and if you always have the haves and the have-nots you will always end up with people that are currently in the have nots that want to become the have and therefore will do any means that they can in order to get that. So I do think, and I'm a bit like you, Ed, I think Dave, as much as I'd love to agree with and say, I think we're, we're moving towards a utopian society. I sort of agree with that and think that I actually think the divide between the haves and the have nots is going to get worse and is going to get bigger. And actually that's going to mean that there will always be crime. And if people haven't got the money in and are therefore scrabbling around underground, let's say in, feral societies there will always be muggings and petty crime as such as we understand it now yeah
0: and, and, and the reason why i think that is because now we have the likes again not blaming musk not blaming bezos or gates or or, or the you know the, the the ultra ultra rich aren't doing what what we need them to do in terms of solve the problem of poverty and solve the problem of hunger but what do they do how do they do that how do they solve that? The, the, the answer is I don't know. It's, it's certainly beyond my means, but I don't think that firing a space rocket up to find somewhere where they can continue to live in great lavish lifestyles or, you know, or, or fulfill their, their destiny. And like you say, it's about ego. A lot of what they're doing is about ego. Uh, and I just think if somebody, if somebody could use that ego of theirs to say, do you know what? I'm not going to let a child dig the lithium out of the ground to put in the battery of my mobile phone. I'm not going to let people in the third world not have food to eat when I can get a choice of five cucumbers, which one I want to buy and the other four go in a bin if they don't sell. You know, I just think it may, it it takes someone to take a stance and while the likes of us, I'm all right, Jack, we ain't going to do shit about it.
1: No, I I, I get that, but I, I, In a way, I, I sort of agree with Dave, you know, and I don't know the stat. Is it 95% of the world's wealth is owned by 5% of the people or whatever, whatever the stat is? It's some ridiculous stat, but you know, lots of there's very few people that own fucking shitloads. So, but, but I don't think that uh, the world, and Dave's right, you know, you could look at Bezos and you look at Musk and Sultan of Brunei and all you know Bill Gates and all the other people that, that are out there and and if if each of those people were to give everybody on the planet a tenner, so if Elon must give everybody a tenner, Bezos give everyone a tenner, it makes no difference. It, it genuinely makes no difference. I, and, and and I'm I, not I, on I about t- giving people I know, money. And I, I know you're and I know you're on about investing it, but yeah, invest it in what? How? Because that there will always be a scarcity of resources there will always be a scarcity to go around and therefore there isn't enough for everybody so there will it doesn't matter what these people do in my opinion other than potentially look for other worlds where resources might be be more infinite although there'd be no world that has infinite resources I don't think but if you take my point in terms of looking for somewhere else that we can go because everybody understands that the world has finite resources and therefore we can't be on this planet forever because it won't last forever so therefore we have to do everything that we possibly can do currently in order and it sounds quite melodramatic in order to get off the planet so that we can Extend the human race.
0: I, I'm not going to dispute anything that you said there, dude. You know, I, I, I do generally, I, I think the biggest problem is for, for a large part of the world to live a lot more comfortably, we would have to give us some part of our comforts. And, you know, and for
1: myself, well, let's face it, we ain't doing it. But uh, but that's ri- I, I, I know you would, because I know the type of person you are, and you, you potentially would give up things to, to, to help others. And you might have a million people that do that, but a million people's not enough to do that no
0: no, no no well it ain't it's 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 only a very small part of the world i to- I totally agree with everything that you're saying and I think the, the interesting point that you say when you talk about the planet surviving
1: the planet survives with or without us, life moves on with or without us. I, I don't think it does though I think it does I think that I think that i think the the physical planet does i it will always be a rock in the in but the inhabitable element of our planet won't be. So therefore, our planet will never, ever, ever be forever inhabitable because of the damage that we're doing and the fact that the resources
0: run out. I think it will be, but just not by us. The problem is us, not the planet.
1: Oh no, I agree with that. I, I agree I agree with that. However, we are on the planet and therefore you can't really take one without the other. I think if there was no humans on the planet, the planet would last forever. But as soon as you put life on a planet and that life starts to drain the resources of that planet, that planet has a half-life, a shelf-life, whatever you want to call it. And, and it will always be, once we leave this planet, which we will, it will always be a rock that is orbiting the sun, but it won't be inhabitable. And therefore, for the human race to continue, we have to leave it.
0: You, you've got to bear in mind it was inhabited by others before us. Correct, yeah, and now what, whatever wiped them out, whether it was dinosaurs or or maybe Jeff Bezos
1: did it last time as well. Okay, so, so we're uh, and 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 uh, wow, we're getting real deep. Around. We've got about 11 <laughs> minutes left here, so <laughs> yeah. so okay, so you have you, you went from single cell amoeba to effectively oxygen breathing organisms that came out of the water and moved onto the planet. Dinosaurs were oxygen breathing, as far as I'm aware humans are oxygen breathing i sort of know that what's next so unless life as we know it and that doesn't mean the human race because we are oxygen breathing species so unless life as we know it takes a turn i say for the worst and, and all of a sudden becomes a carbon dioxide breathing sulfur breathing organism yes at that point maybe life will be sustainable on earth but the human race won't be no i to- i totally agree so therefore we need to leave we need to leave no the
0: planet. I'm, I'm not disputing any of that I, i'm not disputing any of that i just think that life whether it's life as we know it to go to star trek maybe the fact that the old fishies in the sea might have more of a say than we do That they're dolphins that are super smart that are I oh, see no they breathe air as well. That was a really bad point. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> well r- r- sharks, sharks and cods. <laughs> Stingrays, that's all I got. That's all I got. So <laughs> I was just to
2: say quickly while, while while we were just uh, you two were just going going through that uh, what animals breathe oxygen and we're all doomed anyway scenario. <laughs> so I was just asking. Was groundbreaking just, stuff, Dave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who'd have thought humans breathe oxygen? Wow! Yeah.
2: You heard it here, guys. Episode
1: 200. the 200th episode. You heard it first, live on Tallboy Radio. Um,
2: right here on Tallboy Radio. Humans breathe air. <laughs> and oxygen. I was just on the chat GTP, just asking a few of those little questions to see what AI would say. And the first one I asked it was if you had two identical AIs, who'd win at poker? Yeah. And it said basically in the end it'll just come down to chance. You play enough games, it'll be equal, which makes sense. Um, yeah. And then I asked it if you had two identical AIs and you let them loose on the stock market, who would make the most money? And there they said it. it it couldn't tell you because essentially there's so many companies that would be deemed to be, you know, equal in opportunity. They would invest in it and then things would change because those investments yeah. would behave differently and then they would diverge and they would go off as a result of those things. So actually yeah. if they started identical, if that first investment was different, which it almost certainly would be, the path yeah. would just completely go elsewhere. And, 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 and,
1: and it's that, that dynamic risk assessment, isn't it? So they would both make a dynamic risk assessment and say, right, my assessment of this market or this, whatever would be AI one goes, well, I'm going to go there. And AI two goes, well, I'm going to go there. And they, they would have, because there's such a, a diverse choice to go down. Tic tac toe. Yeah. And, and it goes back to that war games that, you know, Matthew Broderick back in the day. And it goes back to that, that, that. You know, if America launched first in the Pacific attack, then Russia would defend with this. And then if Russia uh, went for the Baltic attack, then America would defend. And actually, there was no feasible outcome. All the outcomes would be different, but no team would win, if that makes sense sort of thing. Mm.
2: And then the third one, I did just ask it about the the wealth, and, it, and this is only what ChatGTP says, and it's only got whatever data it's going from, and it's only if we believe the source of the data. But it says 10% of the global population owns 76% of the wealth.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Pretty big
0: numbers, pretty big numbers. So what... Just as we're heading towards the end of this episode, not just yet, folks, keep tuning, keep tuning, keep listening, God bless you all. And want I say God bless you all, so Dave's talking about a utopian society, I'm very much thinking that we're heading towards a dystopian society. Gaz says we seem to need some form of intervention, whether it's interplanetary spacecraft. When is the second coming of Jesus going to happen? And. And where will religion be two hundred years from now? I was a little bit facetious in the way I led into that, but
2: where what
0: what part in life will
2: religion play in two hundred years from now? Well, faith I think is always going to play a part, and we've said before on on previous episodes that faith, it's certainly in my view, faith is is not one and the same as religion. They go hand in hand, and you can certainly have faith, and faith is a very powerful uh, and, a, and a very good thing to have religion, religion's on decline in the world now. Uh, and I can't see, I can't see on the whole religion as we know it in terms of belief in a God or, or gods. I can't see that growing because it we're getting further and further away from the point when people had no choice but to believe in gods. So I don't see a return to that, but faith uh, in that sense, I think is always going to be around.
1: What, 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 what potentially and again devil's advocate what potentially could happen then dave that would reaffirm your faith in a god you know what what if you you just said there you think there's a decline in religion do do you think that an event this you know i say the second coming of christ and such you know i mean what 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 is it that that would mean that there is a reverse of that and actually people do start to flock back in their droves to believe in either a god or multiple gods or whatever that may be
2: maybe if donald trump didn't win the next election election people <laughs> might have faith that there is actually a god out there um i, I <laughs> don't I think it's I don't, probably don't, quite a lot of people like that but <laughs> i don't i don't think you can reverse it because the, the foundations of religion are, are based on things that you can't explain i mean that is the fundamental foundation you can't explain it call it a god and, as we go through time, less and less and less is unexplained. So I just don't see how it can be reversed. The only way it could be reversed if there truly was a God and and the seven thousand religions or I have many is that have one believe there's one and only one God, one of them could turn out to be correct because clearly they can't all be uh, and, and then God just says yeah I am here yeah I know you're supposed to believe in me and have faith and if, oh, that's how it all works but I've decided that there's so few of you left I need to boost my numbers here I am and watch this I'm going to do some magic and you'll all believe in me the, the ultimate social media man himself God
1: I, I just <laughs> look I I, I I think Dave's right again I think I think we're getting so far away and you only have to look at our timeline. So we're now effectively 2000 years removed from the birth of Christ. So, you know, the, the, the further you move away from that, the less impact it has, if that makes sense. So in another 200 years, you're going to be another 200 years down the line of actually, well, you know, was it the biggest, fiction story ever written a bloke sat under a tree at one point well once upon a time there's a bloke called jesus sort of thing yeah and and that's a bit facetious guys and i don't believe that but although I haven't said that i don't really believe in god either so there we go but you know the, the further you go down the line and the further you go into the future the less impact that that religion has And 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 a lot of when you go back in time a lot of what religion is or the the uh, the differences in religion are based on is a difference in land, a difference in money, a difference in th- th- belief. A, th- th- there's always differences. So the further away you get of those initial differences, the less impact it has on society. So I, I'm a bit with Dave. I, I think in, I'm not saying in 200 years time, there'll be no religion. But I think in three, four, five hundred 500 years, there might not be any religion, but,
0: Interesting, interesting. I think interesting. The interesting thing as well about religion is we talk about its divisiveness, and that's that for, the, for me has been a little bit of a theme there. Whether it's rich or it's poor, the have and the have nots, the believers and the believe nots, so the believe in this and believe in that. And I used to live here, and you shouldn't be living there. That kind of thing is that that divisive nature. That what we ultimately find ourselves talking about is differences, and what we all have that is different. To somebody else rather than focusing that we are all the same that the boundaries of where you're born don't really matter we you know we're all the same race you cut us in half we all bleed the same way we're all built the same way we are all the same race there is no other races on earth just one there's just a human race and that's something that we need to focus on far more than we, do, than we do right now. And that's, that's something that troubles me. And, and this is, you know, I know I got to, I'm not going to get into politics at this late hour, but I find that frustrating. I do find that the media, I do find that politics separates us all rather than bringing us together. And that is the goal that we should have. And we can look to the likes of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, but we need to make it happen ourselves. And don't
1: ask me how we do it, but we need to do it. I think, look, to coin or to to elaborate on Dave's sort of seven deadly sins from earlier where he went on, he mentioned like three or four, I think there will always be envy. I think there will always be the haves and the have-nots, and and you will always, irrespective, and and, and in my opinion, irrespective of whether you are comfortable in the way that you live and in your life, and you will always look at other people and either say... I'm so thankful and I'm so fortunate that I have, and this is going to sound really awful. And I don't necessarily mean it in these words. I will, I always have. I have more than them, or you will always look and go, "I wish I had," and, and 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 I aspire. And whether you look at aspire and envy to be the the mirror of each other, I aspire to be that. So therefore, am I envious of that? And aspiration and envy are to, actually, I think, they go quite hand in hand. Because if you aspire to, why are you aspiring to something? Well, actually, I'm envious of what they have, so I aspire to be like them. So you hold a mirror up to yourself and go, well, actually, I aspire to be like that. Well, why do you aspire to be like that? Well, actually, it's because I'm envious of what they have or how they live or whatever it may be. So I think in a society, unless you get to Dave's utopian society, which I don't believe you will, and I'm a bit like you, I think you'll get dystopian. But unless you get to that utopian, there will always be envy. Always. Mm.
0: Indeed. Indeed. So 200 episodes of Tallboy Radio brings us to hear that we are talking about the downfall of the human race. Or we listen to Dave and we achieve utopia. Which would you prefer? Probably utopia is far better to think?
1: Oh, no, absolutely. A hundred (laughs) percent. I agree with Dave. I I would love, I'd love to think that in 200 years, I mean, I won't be alive. So I don't really give a flying fuck, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but my grandkids, great, great, great grandkids might be so yeah. Okay. Maybe I do, but you know, I I think I would love to believe that we would end up in a utopian society and it would be phenomenal and fantastic and everybody be prancing around in their robes and this, that, and the other, I actually think you're probably going to get a dystopian society where some of the society is underground and are scrabbling around in their rags. Yeah. Yeah, I think you might be right. I do. I think you might be right. So
0: let's just, let's bring it up a little bit. Let's celebrate 200 years of... T- 200 years, okay? years <laughs> of Tallboy <laughs> Radio. That's never going to happen. 200 episodes of Tallboy Radio. So Dave,
2: how have we achieved sustainability where human life cannot have we sister oh crikey well yeah, you two in particular like having a beer that that's that's a sort of solid foundation i i obviously did up until uh, earlier this year andy of course before that it was around for quite a lot of episodes and he loves a beer i think it just shows that us us three setting andy aside because he's not been around for quite a while but us three uh, have known each other for an awful long time me and gaz pretty much for our entire lives since we were sort of one two years old we've yeah. been around each other in one way or another and I think a podcast is uh, you always talk about how it's great communities in terms of other podcasts but for us three in particular you know it, it's just an opportunity for three mates to hang out and talk and if we didn't do this well we know particularly with me over the years I've not seen you guys anywhere near as much as so I'd perhaps like to but that's because everyone gets on with busy lives moves away lives in different areas but this pulls us back every week uh, and I think that's a draw uh, and you, we just get to talk to different people. Uh, I know the podcast evolved, but I think the format we have now, where we have guests more often than not, and guests just doing all sorts of different things that are just interesting, and we learn stuff. And we and we've had quite a few people that we didn't realise had never been on a podcast before, and they're on our podcast sharing their stories. But, you know, and just you just put all of that together, uh, you know we enjoy it and we just keep doing it. And, and if people listen, it's fine. You know, I, I, I say this to people quite a lot. People say to me, how many people listen to the podcast? I said, I don't really know. But imagine if it was just 200 people. And imagine, you know, you might think, well, that's rubbish. Joe Rogan gets two billion, squillion people. But I said, imagine if you went down to your town hall and every week 200 people filled it to listen to you and your mates talking. That is just awesome. I mean, I don't know how many people listen, but, you know, that in itself would just be awesome, and you know, I just think it's brilliant and, and rock on. And this episode in particular, I've heard the words "Dave's right" more than the previous one. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah, we'll put that, very often. Yeah, we'll maybe put, might,
1: might take another two hundred for that job Yeah, again. as well as saying, we'll put that to bed right now. <laughs> no, no, look, I, 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 echo sort of what Dave says. You know, we, we, you know, particularly me and Dave, we have known each other ninety five percent of our lives or whatever you know we we went to the same nursery went to the same primary school went to secondary school like you know a level and all of that so for me i don't really care how many people listen i I don't care you know if the listeners come the listeners come Mm. i've met so many fascinating people on our podcast that i would have never ever have had the pleasure of meeting chatting to the, the, there's people that I'm, you know, I, I'm now friends with on social media. I communicate with. They're on the other side of the world. Um, big shout out, Tiddy, Shiner, Todd. You know, you know who you are, um, Mike. You know the the pub time guys. You know the, the, the Scottish alchemists. Up there's so many, so many people that that I'd have never, have, never have learned what their passion was. Never have learned what their interest was. Never have learned what their day job was like never have understood that, that, that they have a massive passion for whatever it may be. And and I'm just thankful for that. I, you know, I, I don't care how many people listen. The fact we are listening to in 61 countries is, is amazing. And if you'd have told me that 200 episodes ago, I'd have told you you were talking bollocks. You know, and it still blows my mind that there are people out there in 61 different countries that download effectively three guys talking absolute bollocks for an hour <laughs> on a Tuesday night. And you know what? We've had a massive, we've had the privilege of being joined by some fantastic guests and, and the number of guests that we've had, it seems to have increased. And, and that's brilliant. Uh, however, getting back to the, the roots in terms of the three of us, the four of us when Andy joins us again, just sitting down and meeting up and chatting and talking and putting the world to rights. That's what it's about to me. I love it. I've always loved it. I'll continue to love it. And here's to the next 200.
0: Indeed. Yeah. And the next 200, there's a thought. Because, you know, you know, it, when you start to conclude and you look back on 200, you might think that's it. We're calling it a day. We're not calling it a day, folks. There's 200 more in this, 200,000 more. Artists, and if we can do that, we'll do it. Don't you worry about it. So, yeah, 200 episodes of the Tallboy Radio podcast. And like you say, we see a little bit of our world in this screen here in front of us. Yeah, and Stuart there. Stuart is commenting to say he's never done a podcast before. Stuart, I've known Stuart for, for, for many, many years. It, it, what means is really last week, so we had Al who'd never done a podcast before in her life. God bless her, you know, with the amount of listeners that she, she brought to us. Gee whiz, there's no way I can stand in front of that many people who can talk. I, I can tell you that much. Wow. But yeah seeing a little bit of the world in this screen each week and conversing and finding out something new that for me that for me is what life is 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 about is that little bit of learning that little bit of journey on the way so we're going to wrap it up now folks we are going to wrap it up and we're gonna wish you a goodbye. The episodes that are going to come in the in the forthcoming weeks are going to be a little bit shorter because we're going to be recording two weeks. So you're still going to get your hour live on a Tuesday, but it's going to be split over two episodes. But it's Christmas coming up in case you hadn't noticed. And we need that time with our families. And we still want to put it out there so that you can listen to us because we're sure on Christmas Day you'll be downloading our Christmas episode, which we have planned for you. But for now. Would you guys like to say your goodbyes?
1: Yeah, as I say, I love every episode we do. There isn't a bad episode. I, I love hooking up with you guys. I love l- listening to what you've got to say. I love chatting shit with you. I look forward to the next 200. And um to all the guests we've had on in the previous 200, I thank you very much to those guests that will come on again. I look forward to it. And those guests that don't even know they're coming on yet, <laughs> hell, you're in for a ride. Indeed, indeed, Dave. Yeah, just echo that.
2: Really, what Gaz has just said. Uh, Gaz is absolutely right. It's uh, yes. It's, said
1: it. Every touch I wonder, but I, yes.
2: <laughs> it, it, it's been awesome, and there's loads more to do. And we're definitely, definitely, definitely going to do the outside broadcast at least once in next year.
1: Amen to that.
2: It's a promise. You heard it at
0: first. We're going to hold into his words. So. Dave said it earlier about being kind to people. I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna finish. I've not done it for a long, long while. I'm gonna finish on a Morrissey quote. So yeah. It's so easy to hate. Oh fucking hell, I forgot it.
1: It's so, it's so easy to laugh. And that's how entertaining Morrissey no, is, no, folks. No, no. Uh don't don't listen
0: to him. It's guys, not Morrissey. It's so easy to laugh. It's so easy to hate. It takes strength to be gentle and kind. Good night.